Hey everybody, welcome into this week's podcast. Pastor Mark continues his series from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. This sermon is from Sunday, July the 10th. Enjoy! Study of the book of Acts this summer. It is a wonderful opportunity to be able to be reminded of the work of Christ in the church. Acts chapter 2 and verses 42 through 47. We've been there the last uh, three Sundays and then uh, we will remain there today and then finish out those wonderful verses uh, next Sunday. Uh, we are learning this, this truth. Healthy churches are made up of healthy believers. And our pattern for healthy churches and healthy believers is found in these last verses of Acts chapter 2. And these verses contain what I've been drawing out, uh, ten habits that create healthy believers which become, who become the foundation of a healthy church. And so we're going to read verses 42 through 47 together again and let you be reminded of where we've been. Then I'll share with you uh, some of those, I'll share with you those, um, those habits and, and uh, what a healthy believer looks like in a moment. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. We're told they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, here's where we'll focus uh, today in verse 46. For every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Now, now there's the sign of a healthy church, that the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. I have a love-hate relationship with technology. It is good and at times, it is not so good. Uh, take, for instance, I have an app on my iPhone, which is connected to my truck. It, it is good because I can pull up that app. It will tell me the how much air uh, pressure are in my tires. It will tell me if I need maintenance. It will tell me... Uh, my my miles per gallon, uh, I can even take this phone and no matter where I am in the world, pull up this app and if I have a Wi-Fi connection, I can lock or unlock the doors of that truck and if I want to, I could be in Paris on the other side of the world and I could even start my truck by utilizing this app. It's a neat, neat thing. You know, technology can be good. But technology, though cannot be so good because this app in my iPhone keeps track of my driving habits. 
In fact, I can pull it up, and every time I drive, it gives me a score. It scores me. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel a little creeped out when, when my cell phone is telling me, hey, you're a terrible driver. You know, uh, in fact, my last score, I think, last time I checked, I scored an 89 out of 100. 89 out of 100. And I started looking into this app, and I go, well, why an 89? Because this app will tell me you accelerated too quickly or you braked too suddenly. It will even tell me if I've gone over the speed limit. Now, I can tell you something. I don't need an app for that. I've got a wife. She tells me that all the time. But, but I've learned through the years of some 46 years or so of driving that, that I'm not really that great of a driver. In fact, there's a website called warnockauto.com. And I was reading, perusing through that last night. And on this website, it gives the top 10 bad driving habits and the top 10 good driving habits if you want to stay safe. So I graded myself. I own six of the bad driving habits. And and these are the six. I'll let you figure out what the others might be. Uh, Hard braking, accelerating at yellow lights. I'm just, I'm colorblind, I think. You know, sometimes I don't see them. Uh, Using your cell phone while driving every now and then. Cutting people off. Uh, tailgating and not checking blind spots. Those are my six with that. But then I went to down to the bottom of that article, and it said, here are the ten good driving habits to keep you safe. And I said, well, I've got this. I own six of the bad. I'm going to ace the good. I own only five of the good driving habits. And, and here are the five. Appreciate your check engine light and tire pressure light. I do it all the time. Check your mirrors always. Practice defensive driving. Use your turn signals and drive sober. I've got those five down. All right? I've got those five down. And, and so I got through reading that article and I thought, how dare GMC tell me I'm only an 89 driver? Because I'm a lot worse than that. I, th- I think they're a little, little bit gracious. But, but we, sometimes we compare ourselves to all these things. There, there are these bad habits we have, and there are these good habits we have. One of the interesting things to me about Acts chapter 2 especially, but, but in the first of chapters of Acts, is Luke, the writer of the history of this early church, he doesn't focus on the bad habits of these early believers, those things they were struggling with. But instead, he highlights the habits which created them to be healthy believers. I think for us sometimes, we are more concerned and focused on on where we need to improve and not appreciate and celebrate how far God has already brought us. And so... Healthy churches are made up of healthy believers, 
And the ten habits of healthy believers are found in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Now, uh, here are the first five that, that we've already talked about. Number one, I apply the truth in my daily life. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Number two, I regularly engage in Christian fellowship. They uh, devote themselves to the fellowship of one another. I make prayer a daily priority. He said I, they devote themselves to prayer. I trust God to do the impossible. They were in awe of all the things that only God could do. Number five, I jealously guard the unity of my church. And that's the picture we have Throughout the book of Acts. And then we come to the one we, talk, one we talked about last week. I joyfully share the financial resources which God gives to me. That we allow God to take whatever he's provided for us to use for his glory. Now we're going to uh, take the next two. And this is what we're going to learn today and speak about. What I would call verse, uh, number seven and eight. Number one, I actively in, participate in large group worship. And number two, I'm connected to others in a smaller group. See, if you want to be a healthy uh, believer and grow as a Christian, you need both of those things together. You need to have a, both a large group experience of worship and a small group of fellowship. The two go hand in hand. One without the other is, is a weakened relationship with God the Father, wreaking relationship with the other. And so we're going to talk about these two and how they, how they work together. So go back to verse 46. We're told in verse 46, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. All right? Here's, the, here's what a healthy believer says. Healthy believer says, I actively participate in large group worship. These early believers considered corporate worship to be so important that they met together every day. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Every day they came together corporately in some form or fashion in the temple courts, in the church, let's say, in the temple courts, and they came together for worship. Every week you have 168 hours given to you. You choose how you're going to spend each one of those 168 hours. You will decide if you will, how many hours you will spend asleep in the bed. You will decide how many hours you're going to spend to make money or how many hours you will spend eating or shopping or for recreation purposes. You have 168 hours to decide how you're going to spend it in this week. We ask as the church that you take just one, just one of those 168 hours in your week to redeem that hour together in corporate worship. 167 hours for you for the rest of the week. Hey, let's think of all the things that you can do to enhance your life. And all we're saying is just one hour. Not every day, but one hour on the Lord's Day on Sunday. 
Not every day coming to, to the church house and, and, and worshiping and going through services and all that. But, but we're just asking for one hour. But yet what we're learning in this post-pandemic world in which we live in, even one hour is too much to ask for those who say, I believe in Jesus Christ and I'm part of the family of God. See, if, if you claim to be a Christian, but you refuse to participate in public worship, then you are violating the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 we're told, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage, encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Friends, we live in a day when we need to gather together as God's family to seek the Lord together as one now than, more now than ever before. We live in a day where we need to find the commonness of our unity in Christ and to encourage one another in this thing called life. Now, I do not know when Jesus is coming back. See, I'm not on the scheduling committee. I'm on the welcoming committee. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. All I know is that I've got to be ready when he gets here. But this one thing I do know. That it is one hour closer to the return of Christ today than it was when we were sitting here and standing here last Sunday. Encourage one another. All the more as a day of Jesus is approaching. See, I'm encouraged each Sunday as we gather for worship. Your faithfulness just to show up encourages me to be faithful to worship God. When I hear you lift your voices in song, I'm encouraged to praise Him. Knowing you are praying when I pray emboldens my praying. For as the Lord is coming back, let us not give up meeting together. Verse 47, Luke says they were constantly praising God when they were together. They were constantly praising God. Do you know in the Old Testament... We are commanded over 300 times to praise God the Father. Now, all that means is that when we gather and worship, our desire is to celebrate His presence. The Lord is in this place. And that we walk through these doors, and while we're here, we brag on His greatness. If you, if you want to know what ought to guide a worship a corporate worship of God's people, just turn to Psalm 100. For Psalm 100 gives us God's design for corporate worship. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Friends, that ought to be our response. See, we're not here to mourn a dead, pre a dead teacher. We are here to celebrate a risen Savior. And you see, that ought to give us joy. That ought to give us unity. That ought to give us oneness. That ought to put a smile on your face. 
And sometimes you ought to stand where I stand. And it seems as if more and more people look like they're mourning a dead teacher than they are celebrating a risen Savior. See, Vance Habner used to say, too many churches start at 11 o'clock sharp and end at 12 o'clock dull. (laughs) Worship is our opportunity to express our love and adoration to God. See, to, to be a healthy church, there has to be healthy believers who make it a priority to actively participate in large group worship. Even so, every Sunday, some people walk out these doors, either to the west or to the north, even sometimes to the east. Even so, every Sunday, people walk out these doors, having spent one of their 168 hours of this week in church. I gave one hour to church, but they never once worshipped The God who's the creator of the earth, the God who sent his only begotten son, the God who redeems their souls, the God who is sending his son to gather his church one day. See, it's not just that you are here. Why are you here? Have you spent time worshiping the Lord with your brothers and sisters in faith? See, that's one of the habits of a healthy believer, to say, I actively participate in large group worship. But, but there's the flip side of that. There is the, the fitting that, that makes it whole, and that is, I'm connected to others in a smaller group. Go back to verse 46. We're told that they, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. And then they broke bread in their homes And ate together with glad and sincere hearts. It's the natural progression that that once you're together, then you move into these smaller groups which which will help you thrive and to live in your walk with Christ. See, a healthy believer needs both experiences. Now, prior to our large group gathering, we have... Smaller groups who meet across our building. We call them Sunday school. Sometimes we call them Bible study. Sometimes we call it the Sunday morning study. Uh, but we have smaller groups that meet across this building. And for many of those groups, they will end up throughout the week, either formally or informally, meeting in each other's homes and, and sharing food together. You know, after all, we're Baptists, we've got to eat. You come into this building, and if you're a part of a small group in this building, you'll find donuts and coffee at practically every, t- every place you turn. Now, I, I'm so grateful every Sunday morning uh, when, when I get here, I, I get up in the balcony, and, and uh, we, we talk with the, with the tech guys, and we get everything settled, and I give them what I need to give to them and all that, and... Um, and this morning, I walked up those steps, which is an act of faith in itself, if you've ever walked up those steps. And, and I walked up those steps, and I came out the door into the balcony area, and I said, Joyce Coleman is here, isn't she? 
because I smelled fresh cinnamon rolls that she put up in that in the balcony for those who work up there. Thank you, Miss Joyce. That's the only reason I go up there. I can throw it what I need to get them, but I go up there. There's food involved whenever we gather gather together. We've got coffee in a coffee shop. Jonathan has even now made it possible that you can have iced coffee. If you want iced coffee. But we gather together in this small group of fellowship. And and we, we have those small groups. Then we come in here to this large group. But but here's the statistic that we have in our church. The overwhelming majority of people who attend worship are not connected with the Sunday morning Bible study group. The vast majority of the people who come to this worship have not been involved with someone else or within, with others in a small group experience. Either on Sunday morning or even throughout the week. So, so I can say to you, the best thing you can do to improve your spiritual health is to connect with other people in these smaller groups. See, if, if you only attend worship and you sit in the same spot, and by the way, thank you for sitting in the same spot. If you move around, I'm in trouble. I won't know if you're here or not. All right. But if you come and you sit in the same spot, you may or may not know the names of the people around you. In fact, this auditorium you know as well as I do is so large that you can slip in and out and never even have a conversation with one person. And so the intimacy of having your needs filled cannot happen just in a large group worship. But if you get connected with a smaller group, a Sunday school class and other groups, then guess what? People will know you by name. You, you, you walk into one of those Sunday school classes, Norm. Okay, some of you got that. They know you by name. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've experienced in small groups is that when there's a struggle that I'm facing or struggle I'm going through, maybe someone in my, in my uh, family has passed or maybe I'm having surgery or some of these things, that what I've experienced is those who have a group where they get to know one another, they receive immediate attention and ministry because they know you by Name. See, a smaller group of believers is a community where caring exists. See, this world is full of lonely people, and, and one of the cures for loneliness is being with others in a small group. Paul McCartney and John Lennon first met one another at a church on Saturday, July 6, 1957. Uh, Paul McCartney... Uh, so impressed John Lennon that that uh, he joined his group at that time, and then they later became the Beatles. Well, they met this church in England, and this church in England had, as most churches in in England do, and even some in rural uh, United States, had a cemetery next to the church. And in that cemetery next to the church is a gravestone listing family members who were buried 
in that spot. And one of the family members was a lady by the name of Elner Rigby, who died at the age of 44. And nine years after they met together and the Beatles had gotten together and become successful, John and Paul wrote a song. It was a ballad about loneliness. And this is what the last verse says. Elner Rigby died in the church and was buried along with her name. Nobody came. Apparently she did not have a small group. Father McKenzie wiping the dirt from his hands as he walks from the grave. No one was saved. All the lonely people, where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? Let me tell you where lonely people belong. Lonely people belong in a forever spiritual family called the church with real forever friends. See, when you connect with people within the church, you become a part of a forever family. The personal care you receive coupled with the study of God's Word will strengthen your spirit and you will grow healthier in your relationship with the Lord. So I encourage you to be an active part of a small group Bible study and together every Sunday to lift up the name of Jesus. We have been given the task to take life to the city. You're reminded it every time you exit out these west doors. If you look up above the doors, there is your reminder. Take life to the city. We've been given the task to take life to the city, but yet we cannot impart the life of Christ if we are not experiencing the life of Christ together. I need you. You need me. You have 168 hours this week. How are you going to spend those hours? The more you take those hours of this week and you connect with your brothers and sisters in Christ, then the more meaningful this week will become. And the more time you spend with your brothers and sisters in Christ, when you hit a bump in the road, guess what? There's going to be somebody holding you up so you do not fall. If you spend more time of those 168 hours with your brothers and sisters in Christ, when life begins to pile upon you, guess what? There's somebody who's going to shoulder the burden with you. We need each other. I need you. You need me. So, so Christian, what is it going to take for you to become healthier as a child of God? Get involved. Be active. And rejoicingly worship the Lord together. Father, I'm so grateful that you give us insight into the lives of those who have gone before us. Father, we think we, ha- we have life worse for us than they did back then. But yet I look at these folk who 
took time out of every day to get with their brothers and sisters in the faith. And they did so knowing that their lives were in danger. They did so knowing they were in the minority. They did so knowing they needed one another. So, Father, I'm thankful you give us insight in what you expect and desire for us as a church in this post-pandemic world. Lord God, everything's changed for us in the last two years. So, Father, I pray you restore to your people the hunger for worship and the desire of care for one another. That, Lord God, you would begin to to move within our hearts. That as we reach out to folk who are lonely, who are struggling, that we could impart to them the life of Christ we have been experiencing together. And that, Father, that through our witness of our unity, that you will draw others to your kingdom and to your faith. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you for your love. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. For just a moment, would you stand with me?